Folks, the best value at Manager Tools is to buy an annual license to our material. For $200 a year, you get access to show notes for every single show produced over 100 a year, plus our entire archive of nearly a thousand shows. You wouldn't want to print it out all in one place. It'd be a management Wikipedia and it'd be probably 5,000 pages. You get all that plus access to things I think I think and even more powerfully the interview creation tool which may be our strongest and most least known digital tool that we have and more digital tools to come in the future available only to licensees. Ask another licensee they'll tell you it is the best value they have. Welcome to Career Tools. This week, personal finance, stocks. So Danny, today you and me get to talk, which is always I fun. I know, it is. <laughs> for, fun for us. I don't know about the listeners, but we're going to have fun. <laughs> Even more fun for them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's what I think. Um, and we're going to talk about buying stocks or shares, depending on where you're from. And Mark and I, and I think Mike and I have recorded one each of these series. So everyone's getting a variety of voices. But we've been talking about personal finance because it's so critical to your career in the, in the sense that if you have financial security, you, could, you can make different choices. You have more choices. Um, and you'll be able to take up things that maybe you wouldn't be able to if you didn't have the money to move or you didn't have the money to take six months off or whatever. Yeah. And I was gonna say, Wendy, I think aside from how it impacts your your personal choices, there's been quite a few studies done about that your performance at work is better when you don't have the stress around personal oh, finances. Of course. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I particularly I hear uh, a lot of about a lot of folks in the military and commanding officers will say they can absolutely tell the difference when somebody in their unit has a you know really good solid um, person at home who's taking care of the financial stuff and they're they don't have debt hanging over their head and they've got savings it completely changes how they behave in the field and their focus on the mission which they need to be completely focused on the mission right yeah um, so I think there's a lot in, in this that goes into uh, impacts how we are are at work um, so I'm really glad that we're doing the series yeah. So today we're going to talk about stocks. So we started with uh, savings and then we said invest in mutual funds. And the next step for a lot of people is to invest in individual stocks. And investing in individual stocks is really exciting because you can say, I've got 20 shares of Apple and everybody gets very excited for you when they announce their earnings. But it's one of those things that's glamorous and not necessarily for you if you haven't got all the basics down. So we're going to talk about that. So we're going to talk about not investing in stocks if you're in certain situations. We're going to talk about starting with a dummy account so that you're spending imaginary money to learn how to work with stocks and looking for accounts with lower fees. Cool. So we're going to start by talking about some of the reasons to not invest in in individual stocks, right? Yeah. <laughs> I think there's probably a lot of reasons. There is, there is, there's, there's hundreds. And we're gonna just pick three, which we thought were the biggest ones. Uh, but if you're in any doubt, consult a financial professional because we're not, we're just giving you the layperson's idea. Excellent. So our first recommendation is don't invest in, in individual stocks. I'm gonna struggle with that. 
in individual stocks uh, if you don't have savings, if you don't have some money in the bank, right? Yeah, exactly. And playing the stock market is really exciting. It's like a game and there's rewards. And, you know, one of the things as humans we look for is risk reward. And then because we like the rewards, it releases all exciting things in our brains that make us feel really good. And we read articles that say this person, you know, he he bought stocks at a penny and now he's selling them at like $300 a stock or we see something that says this guy got into the stock market and he spent $50 and now he has 5000 or whatever and those articles are really exciting and re- and they make us feel good too because in your brain imagining something happening and reading about it is almost the same as doing it. So the same chemicals are released. Wow. Um, So we get all excited. But what we don't think about is the risk. And any time that reward is high, risk is high. You don't get much if you don't risk much. And if you risk a lot, you have the potential for a lot. But you also have the potential for a really big loss. Right. And if you don't have savings, then you can't afford to take that risk. Right. If you go and put $500 into stocks, buying a couple individual stocks, and then the following week your car breaks down, you can't go and get that $500 back, or, or you can't easily anyway, uh, and you will have paid some fees in the meantime, so you're not going to probably get the full 500 back, and it's going to take a while for you to get it back. And you probably, in that time frame, in the space of a week, you're not going to have one big. You're not going to have a big return on that. There's probably not going to be a huge uptick in that stock during that week. And so you're not going to turn that 500 into a thousand, right? Financial advisors will tell you first thing, first things first, start by paying off your debt, then put some money in the savings account, then invest some in mutual funds. Um, and there's a reason why they give that advice, why they go in that order, because it's really the safest way to do it. Absolutely. And cars particularly people can't live without their cars they can't kids can't get to school they can't get to work it's it causes a huge problem when a family that's used to having a car doesn't have one um and if you if you haven't told your spouse and you suddenly said no i'm sorry we can't get the car repaired repaired but it's all right because i got three stocks in johnson and johnson i don't think the spouse will be very happy no i know i don't think so either So the next one is if you don't have at least five years. So these quick wins that we read about in the news, the guy who doubles their money overnight or whatever, are news because they're rare. Nobody ever talks about the guy who invested and he made a steady, you know, penny every month for 80 years and now he's rich, right? They only talk about the exciting stuff. And it's really not going to happen for 99% of us, 99% of the time. And so in order to see real gains, you need to leave your money in the stock market for at least five years. And if there's a depression, a downturn in year three, you need to wait for that to come back up and you need to be able to afford to leave your money there until it comes back up and you start to make a profit again. And that could be 10 years so, you know, that at that point, you've left your money in there for 13 years and you've got to be able to afford to leave that money there. Um, and it also means the older you are, the less advisable it is to invest in single sp- stocks. 
if you're at 50 and you might retire at 60 and you'll want your money then, 10 years is is the kind of minimum for waiting for, for you to have got the gains to take it out of the stock market again. But again, if there's a if there's a recession, then you may not have the money that you wanted for retirement. So the closer you are to the age where you want to take the money out, the more you need to think carefully about whether or not this is the right strategy for you. Right. And there, you know, Wendy, there doesn't even need to be a recession. There doesn't even need to be a downturn in the market. All there needs to be is something bad to happen at that one company that you've bought stocks in. Yeah. (laughs) Right. And when you buy individual stocks, you're putting all of the proverbial eggs in one basket. If if there's a scandal, if something um, bad happens. Oh, look happens, at Volkswagen this week, right? I was going to say it, but I didn't know if, if we should. Uh, yeah. I mean, if you bought Volkswagen stock a month ago, individual, single stocks, you're hurting right now. Um, and all you need is somebody in that organization in a leadership role to make a bad decision or there to be, you know, something that happens in the market that infect, that af- affects that company or that industry. And uh, so it doesn't even have to be an um, economy-wide problem. It just has to be a problem in that company. So that's a pretty, pretty big risk to take. Yeah. And our last piece is don't invest in single stocks unless you have that money to lose because really buying single stocks is gambling. Uh, you're betting that the stock is going gonna, is gonna to rise, is going to go up. And even if you do a bunch of research, even if you listen to a bunch of people who know a lot about the market and stocks and you follow their advice and you consult with professionals, it's still a gamble. There's a reason why in any uh, investment um, documentation, there's all kinds of small print about (laughs) the the risk. (laughs) Yeah, it's not our fault if something goes wrong. Right. If you're going to go to Vegas, you only would gamble with the money that you can afford to lose. I think I'm probably unusual at Manager Tools, Wendy, in that I actually like to go to Vegas and gamble a little bit. I know Mark doesn't. I don't think Mike does. I don't think you do. But I only take, you know, a hundred bucks in or whatever, whatever Mm -hmm. I'm prepared to lose. I go in assuming that whatever that cash is that I have set aside to to play, I'm going to walk out without it. Um, That way, if I make money, if I come out a little bit ahead, uh, you know, yay. And if I don't, I just view it as I spent that money and had a good time. Had a good time, exactly. I usually go with my high eye brother who is very happy to hand out dollar bills for us to play with. So use your brother's money for Vegas is a very good plan. <laughs> I don't have one of those. <laughs> and stocks, though, are actually worse than gambling because you can lose more than you gambled with in the first place. Let's say, for example, you buy 50 shares of Exxon. Today, that would cost you $3,750 for talking US dollars. Tomorrow, the oil price falls to $20 a barrel and they have a big spill. That's been known to happen. All right, the share price is going to fall through the floor. Let's say it goes all the way to a dollar. Now, that $3,750 investment you made is worth $50 but you also have had to pay fees to, to put that money in. You're gonna to have to pay some fees to the, to the uh, brokerage house. Tax and this one that a lot of people don't think about, Wendy, is the opportunity cost. Yeah, what else could you have been doing with that money? Right, so your investment is now worth less than it cost you. 
So when you're estimating how much you can afford to lose, you need to factor that in as well, right? So using the Vegas analogy, it's not just, okay, I'm going to lose this hundred bucks. It's what else could I have done with that hundred bucks? which I always think about shoes. Would I rather go in and spend this hundred bucks on the blackjack table or would I rather go buy a new pair of shoes? And sometimes I go buy some shoes. Uh, okay, so um, if we've not managed to convince you that you are not going to buy stocks, um, if you're in a situation where you have money to lose, you have time to invest, uh, you have your savings and you feel like, okay, I am set up and I am ready to invest this money, don't do it just yet. Our next piece of advice, uh, our next piece of guidance is to start with a dummy account. So there's all sorts of dummy accounts. There are some which are educational. The Wall Street Journal has one that's basically about teaching you about the stock market and how it works. There are some which are games. So there's, you know, you pr invest pretend money and uh, if things go up and you get stars and if, you, if they go down, you get sad, smiley faces. Is that a sad face? Sad face. <laughs> a sad face, yes. Um, and there's others which are linked to online trading platforms. So they teach you to play, but at the same time, they are showing you how their platform works so that when you're ready to spend real money, you'll be confident about the buttons you're pressing and so on. And they're all designed to allow you to spend imaginary money and watch how it fares. It's just like the... Um, fantasy football or fantasy soccer or whatever other fantasy games people are playing it's all imaginary but you can see the results of the decisions that you make and so every time something happens on the on the stock exchange whichever one you're working with that's reflected in the pretend money that you have and so you can see exactly how your decisions work out and like everything we don't start out by being good at things. We don't start out by being good at football or good at um, throwing darts or good at writing or anything that we do as human beings. We start off being really bad at. And it's the same, same with the stock market. If you start with your own money, you're likely to lose it because you don't make decisions quickly enough. You don't take in enough facts. You don't, you know, there's all sorts of things that contribute to those decisions. And it's hard to keep all of those in your head and to do them fast enough as a beginner. So using someone else's imaginary money is a really good idea. And you can start now, even if you don't think that you're going to have money to invest in the stock market for 20 years, say you're like, 21 you just got out of college and you're really interested in the stock market and you're living at home and you don't have a job yet and so you don't have any disposable income you can still log on to these things and start playing and pretending the money's there but even if you're really consistent in picking the right stocks and making the right decisions and selling at the right time you still don't know the, the stock market there is still a huge amount of risk so I looked into um, the people who make stock decisions for the big retirement funds and things like that. And the people who were the best, they were like the world's best stock picker for 20, uh, around 2000 to 2010. They have completely fallen off the list um, because between 2010 and 2015, the market's been quite different. 
it changes a lot more than people. It has a personality, I think, and it changes more than people might think. So even if you've been awesome on the pretend money, don't start to think, oh, well, if I put invest my real money, I'm definitely going to do as well as I was doing with the pretend money because it's unlikely. Yeah, remember, it's, it's again, it's back to gambling. It is. I, I do great playing blackjack on my phone app and then I go into the casino and... <laughs> I lose. <laughs> There's all these distractions, <laughs> right? It's just the luck of the cards. Okay. If you're going, again, if we still haven't convinced you and you're going to move forward, our next piece of guidance is to look for accounts with lower fees. The fee per transaction is usually going to be between 5 and $10 as, as of when we re are recording this in 2015. And that means for every block of stocks you buy, you'll have to pay that fee. Uh, if you want to buy into three companies today and three next week after payday, that's $30. Then there are contract fees for options. There are broker-assisted fees if you want some help from the professionals. There are rates for borrowing on the margin. There's higher fees for low-value stock and on and on and on and on. In some places, there are going to be minimum amounts. Um, so you might be required to put up, you know, put your initial... Um, investment in up to $10,000. Um, so you need to take all that in consideration. Yeah, $10,000 $10, feels like a lot of money to have to be able to risk. Yes, it does. No? Like 500, I'd be okay with but 10,000. For the mere I'm mortals? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of similar to buying a car, right? When When you go in and buy a car, the cost of the car isn't really what you pay to drive that car off the lot. You're going to have maintenance, you're going to have upkeep, cleaning, you're going to have insurance, of course, gas, oil changes, all that, tires, brakes. And taxes. And again, taxes, you're going to have to, you're going to have to pay sales tax. Then in some places, you're going to have to pay, um, pay a fee to register your car. You're going to have to get the license plate. You have to get the tag, all of that. Investing in stocks isn't just about the stock price that you're paying. There's a lot of fees and maintenance, insurance, all of that, which add to the total uh, cost that you're paying out of pocket. Lower fees are usually better. Although again, there are other factors that you will want to consider before you choose who to trade with, such as the service you get. Um, and again, additional fees that are not included in the fees that they quote you. They might have limits on the transactions that you can conduct and again, Lots of things to take into consideration. Yeah, it's a bit like airline tickets or cell phones, you know. They're hard to compare because there's so much other stuff that one person will charge for and the other person doesn't. And, you know, it, it gets quite complicated quite quickly. Yeah, it makes it very hard to compare apples to apples. Yeah, which is in their interest, right, but not of in course. ours. I grew up in England, so I heard adverts, uh, advertisements for stock things and uh, other investment vehicles, and they always finish with this disclaimer. Past performance of an investment is no guide to its performance in the future. Investments or income from them can go down as well as up. Risk can be brought about by the performance of world markets, interest rates, taxes on income and capital, and foreign exchange rates. You may not necessarily get back any of the amount you invested. Wow. <laughs> Which I think is, is, a, is strong. That's very um, strong. Yeah. I, uh, the bit that um, 
they can go down as well as up. <laughs> you may not necessarily get any of them out back. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the people that read that usually really emphasize that piece. And it's a good summary of what we've been talking about right. in this in this cast of, of saying, you know, this isn't something to go in on a whim. It is exciting. It's fun. And it looks like it's going to, you know, make you a millionaire overnight. But there's there is a real risk to it. And you have to consider that risk and consider the fact that it may happen and what you will do if it happens before you get excited about the potential reward. I'm not certain about this one because I'm not a financial professional, but I think there is actually a formula for calculating risk when when doing um, these types of, of predictions and that type of thing. But the thing, the question that I ask myself is, would I go out and take out an, another mortgage on my house or would I, would I go out and, and get a loan against my house to do this, right? To me, right. that's a way that I measure risk like in, in my gut. Like, again, if you're talking, you know, $500, that might not seem like a big deal. But when you start getting up into the big amounts, would I go out and get a loan to go put this money in the stock, stock market uh, against my home? Nah, I don't think so. To me, that tells me this is risky, or it's at least it's more risky than I'm comfortable with. Mm -hmm. um, and that's just kind of my internal risk meter. Um, but it's, you know, I think a lot of these guys on who you see up on Wall Street and stuff, they don't have very strong risk meters. <laughs> so <laughs> I think you got to find the one that that works for you and ask yourself, am I comfortable with that risk? Yeah, those people that go on roller coasters that have an uh, really low adrenaline like they have to have something really exciting to happen to have a normal amount of adrenaline yeah those people shouldn't be on the stock market but i have a sense that they are right <laughs> but the idea of of comparing it to you know would i take another mortgage out on my house and potentially lose my house for this that's a really good way of kind of bringing it down to something that you can understand and that you can get a gut feel about right it's tangible all right so Investing in stocks, obviously, it can be lucrative. There are people who do really well, but you got to be in it at the right time with the right company and willing and, and able to lose that money. So it's a good thing to keep that in mind when making the decision to uh, jump in. Absolutely. Cool. Thanks, Wendy. It's good stuff. Yeah. Thanks, Danny. I, I enjoyed recording with you. Always fun. Bye, everyone. Bye. That's it, everyone. Come back next week and we'll be here. Career Tools produces actionable guidance for professionals every week. To receive additional materials via our newsletter and to find products for situations you may face, go to www.managertools.com. Search for Career Tools on Twitter and LinkedIn.